So we are doing a series on called I Choose. The first Sunday, I preached to you a message called I Choose Life. Last Sunday, we talked about I Choose His Ability, not my inabilities. Now this morning, I want to spend some time today talking to you about I Choose Hope. I Choose Hope. I Choose Hope in the middle of hopeless situations. I choose hope when my soul may feel down. I choose hope in the midst of despondency because we have on the inside of us the God of hope. So in Jeremiah chapter 29, I want to look at that in a few translations this morning. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 The first place we want to look is the NIV version. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you. It's good to know that the creator of the universe has plans for us. Now, he didn't say, I have a plan for you. He said, I've got plans for you. Hallelujah. That's plural. Somebody says, well, I I see this part of the plan, but there's more parts to the plan. And he has got some awesome plans for you and for me. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to make you poor. Plans to bring you so much harm that you'll hardly be able to get up in the morning. No! No. Plans to prosper you. Prosper is not slang. Prosper is not a dirty word. Prosper is a Bible word. As a matter of fact, he told us that above everything I would that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If you drive through certain parts of the Bay Area, you can see people that have a hopeless, hopeless attitude about their future. And the reason why is, is because those that are without a covenant have no hope. Those that are outside of the covenant live lives of discouragement and despondency. But oh, when people cross the line of commitment out of the world into the word, out of darkness into light, out of sorrow into joy, out of that kingdom into the kingdom of God, whoo, glory to God. The plans of God and hopes rise up on the inside. Now I want to look at it in the King James Version. He said, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Each one of these verses has revelation in them. 
What this says to us is God has us on his mind. We sang the song in Sacramento this past weekend that Brother Copeland sings just about wherever wherever he goes. And part of the verses is this. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Think about it. If you were the only person that he was sent to die for. Woo, my goodness. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. And you know what? You're still on his mind today. The psalmist said, the Lord has been mindful of us. So he says here, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. So who's speaking to us today? The Lord. Who's speaking to us today? I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace. You know that word peace there means wholeness. The kind of thoughts that he thinks toward his children is thoughts of wholeness. Thoughts of peace that passes all understanding. Thoughts of prosperity. Thoughts of increase. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. And what this gives us, this gives us an expected end or it gives us a confident favorable expectation of the glorious good plan of God for our lives. Amen. Amen. Now in the CEV version, which is the uh, English version, contemporary English version, he says this, I will bless you with a future filled Filled with what? Hallelujah. Well, how are you doing today, Pastor Mark? I'll tell you how I'm doing. I'm filled with the Spirit. But not only am I filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm filled with hope. God says, I will bless you with a future filled with hope. A future of what? Notice he didn't say a future of failure. He said, when I planned your life out, I didn't plan you to be a failure. I planned you for success. But not only did he plan us for success, his plan also says, and not of suffering. Now, of course, in the kingdom of God, we face tests and trials, don't we? Has there, is there anybody in the house this morning that hasn't suffered a test or a trial? You know, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, right? So there is the suffering of persecution. There is the suffering of the tests. Jesus faced that. But we don't suffer for what he suffered for us on Calvary's cross. We don't suffer poverty because Christ has redeemed us from poverty. We don't suffer disease because Christ has redeemed us from disease. 
Here's another one. You do not have to suffer mental oppression or depression because the chastisement of our peace was upon the master. Hallelujah. So he says here, I will bless you. Say it with me. I receive the blessing. I will bless you with a future. A future. Somebody says, I'm 80 years old. What does my future hold? Your future holds glory. Your future holds goodness. Your future holds brightness. I will bless you with a future filled with hope. A future of success. And everyone say, not of suffering. Now, here's something we need to talk about and discuss. Because many people have this idea that when you step out in the plan of God, there's going to be but nothing but demon after demon after demon after demon to fight. Yeah, there are demons that come against us. But I have discovered that they that be with us are more than they that, come on somebody, than they that be with them. And I've also discovered that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So yes, there are tribulations. Yes, there's pressure. But when you step out in the plan of God, you should have a confident expectation of God's goodness and God's help providing for you every step of the way. You see, my brothers and sisters, when God gives you, if God gives you a vision, He will give you provision. Another way we could say it is this way. When God calls you, He equips you. Now, what does that mean? When God calls you, He equips you with everything that you need to overcome the things that come against you. And that is God being good to you. How many of you have seen that in your life? Oh, hallelujah. So look at Matthew chapter 11 and verse 30. So the idea, and it's, it's prevalent among a lot of pastors and prevalent in the body of Christ in various places. And that is this, well, man, you, you just step out. You better watch out. Step out and watch out. God does not want us walking through life, looking over our shoulder, fearful of what might happen just because we took a step of faith. Are you listening to me? Now notice in Matthew chapter 11 and in verse 30, he said, For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh. Not hard, not sharp, not pressing, but what is it? Now, 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 don't, don't, don't move too fast. His yoke is comfortable. It's comfortable. The great planner has planned a life for you to give you an expected end, a hope and a future. And when you're walking in the plan of God, you ought to be comfortable in it. You ought to be comfortable in it. One reason why is 
Because the comforter is in you. It's not hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable. What else is it? Gracious and pleasant. And my burden is heavy and hard. Huh? I must have read it wrong. It doesn't say my burden is heavy and hard. No, my, he said my burden is light. Come on, somebody. It's light and easy. So when you're doing the will of God and walking in the plan of God, you ought to have rest in your soul. You ought to have the comfort of the Holy Spirit helping you and attending your way. And if you don't, you're just not doing it right. If you're not operating or functioning in life with a easy yoke and it being light and easy, you're not serving a shepherd, you're serving a taskmaster. And Jesus is not a taskmaster. He is a shepherd. I believe that we ought to live and enjoy life. Well, I'll enjoy life when the kids get through school. I saw the kids get through school and you're as bummed out now as you were before. Somebody said, well, that's not very nice. I came to church for you to be nice. Well, sometimes we're corrected by the Word. Sometimes the Word of God rebukes us. Amen. Amen. No, do it right. Do it right. Please don't live carrying the cares of this life on your shoulders. Don't live trying to work out everyone else's problems. They had problems before you knew them. Now that you know them. And if they don't get a hold of the word, they'll have problems after you know them. Now that does not mean that we don't care for them, but we don't by any means take the care of them. We are to cast... All our cares. You know what all in the Greek means? You know what all in the Hebrew means? It means every one of them. Casting. All your care. Cast the care of where the money's going to come from on the Lord. Cast the care of that diagnosis over on the Lord. Cast the care of your son, your daughter, the mailman, the milkman, the government. Cast it over on the Lord. And then you'll be in a position to pray effectually. And the power of God can be released toward those situations. And God moves strong in their lives. 
Look at your neighbor and say, would you please enjoy your salvation? Look, folks, if you can't get happy about anything else, get happy about this. We're on our way to heaven and we're shouting the victory. Woo! Glory to God. If you can't get happy about anything else, everyone take a deep breath. And let everyone that has breath Let everyone that has breath. Amen. On the darkest day, in the darkest part of night, you and I have the Father of lights who always dispels darkness. So what is hope? Hope is having a confident favorable expectation of something that you desire based on the word. I cannot hope for and expect anything good that's not based on God's word. Hope is not wishful thinking. That's the natural kind of hope. The biblical kind of hope is based on the word which is your foundation. And because the word says it, I'm fully expecting it to happen. In other words, if the word says I'm healed, if the word says I was healed and I receive that, now I'm confidently, favorably expecting my body to change. And folks, things can change at the snap of a finger. Brenda and I were just in Sacramento, and I don't know what was going on with my, my right leg or my hip. I don't know what it was, but it was, it was kind of hard to move, and there was a lot of pain. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to, you have to move forward even when there's pain. You, you've heard the old saying, to play through the pain. Amen. Guys like Steph Curry and LeBron James, oh, Jesus. Sometimes they have to play through the pain. I'm telling you, you got to sometimes pray through the pain. Believe through the pain. Whoo! Hallelujah! Though it may be dark tonight, I'm telling you, joy comes in the morning. So, you know, we quote scriptures and we keep going, we keep moving. I got into that meeting on Thursday night and just all of a sudden, every symptom in my hip and in my knee just completely dissipated. I told Brenda, I said, the glory is here and I don't have no more pain. Hallelujah. Expect God to act based on what he said and give him praise until the full manifestation comes. And then Brother Copeland said something that literally just, whoo, man, it just went down in my spirit like you'd put a quarter in an old phone. 
Some of you don't know what that is. But he said, over there in Matthew, where he's talking about, take no thought on what you'll eat, what you're going to drink, where you're going to live, what you're going to wear. And in the context of that, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, take no thought saying. In other words, the way that we receive the thoughts of the enemy is we begin to talk about them and magnify them and cause them to be bigger up here than they should be under our feet. And he said something that literally really helped me. He said, when there's pain in your body, he said, take no pain saying. Oh, I'm so, I'm hurting. I'm really hurting. I'm really feeling bad. Oh man, I'm hurting so much. Call up everyone in the 510 area code, the 916 area code, the 707 area code, the 408 area code. Please call everybody up in the 650 area code and let everybody know that I'm hurting. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting prayer partners, but you've got to have this foundation of faith in your prayer. So what I saw out of that is this, is oftentimes I have taken the pain by talking about it. Some of you may have done the same thing. So therefore, take no pain saying, oh, I'm so hurt. Things are so bad. Listen, we need to grab hold of this thing underneath our nose one inch. We need to grab hold of our tongue. Because the tongue is the rudder of our life. Amen. I think you ought to raise your hands and say in the name of Jesus. From this day forward. I'm not going to take. Thoughts of pain. Thoughts of poverty. Thoughts of discouragement. I refuse to take them. But rather I choose life. I choose hope. I choose the word. I choose my redeemer. And therefore I believe that I receive all that God's got for me. Anyway, I thought that might help you. Be mindful of what you're saying. Not just in church. Be mindful of what you're saying to your wife. Be mindful of what you're saying to your friends. Why is that, Pastor? Because the Master said, you can have what you say. Now, hope also means to be intensely expectant, to be confidently looking forward to something you fully expect to happen. Turn quickly to Philippians chapter 1. Say this with me. Hope and expectancy are major keys to everyday blessing. Now, Paul was in prison when he wrote the letter to the church at Philippi. Even though Paul was in prison, Paul did not let the prison in him. Paul had prayer partners. It's a good thing to have partners of prayer. 
And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, he says, I know, he's positive about this. I know that this too shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. In other words, Paul's saying, I know that things are going to work out all right. I know that things are going to turn around. And one of the ways that I know this is because you're praying for me. So Paul connected with their prayer. It's important when you have prayer partners that you come into perfect alignment and agreement with the Word of God. They were not praying for Paul to die. They were praying for Paul to live. And he said, you know what? I'm confident and I'm fully expecting in verse uh, 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Holy Spirit. In direct proportion, according to my, what kind of expectation? According to my earnest expectation and my hope. So that in nothing I will ever be ashamed. But that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Woo! How many of you know Paul had some earnest expectation going on? He had confidence on the inside of him that whether he died or whether he lived, he's going to be delivered. Hallelujah. Oh, that's good news. So I love also, stay hooked now for about 10 more minutes. How many of you can do that? That's three of you. Okay, I better bring it up to 15. But to expect also means to look forward to with excitement. On July 22nd, 1977, I got married in a small town by the name of Ski D, Oklahoma. I don't know how many people they had in that town, but I wasn't aware of how many they had in that town. All I was aware of is being at the altar. And waiting for Brenda Raylene Edwards to walk down that aisle. I was excited. How many of you are excited about being married? I think we better pray. This year, come on somebody. This year is the year of the Holy Ghost and fire. Some of you may need to get the fire back in your marriage. And have the same excitement that you did on honeymoon night. Woo! We were so excited to get to our honeymoon suite. We didn't even stop at a restaurant to eat. We went through a drive-thru. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And had some tater tots at the Sonic. 
Looking forward to. Looking forward to the glory. Looking forward to financial breakthrough. Looking forward to greater grace. Looking forward to people being healed. Looking forward to the California blessing. Oh, Brother Copeland saw like a cloud over the state. And he said the cloud was so heavy, heavy with glory, heavy with everything good. And the cloud was about ready to burst. Oh, glory to God. And in that cloud is your increase. And in that cloud is body parts. And in that cloud is signs and wonders and the glory of God. You know what? I believe it. I receive it. The name of Jesus. Then in the month of September of 1979, there was such excitement when Brenda, and she didn't look pregnant. She was so thin in those days. You could hardly see. She's still thin, but... Now stop it. I got to go home. Well, none of you are as thin as you were. My Lord Jesus. I hope the anointing just didn't leave, Raul. (laughs) But John, our first son, the excitement, the expectation. She was expecting. And while she was expecting, listen to this very carefully, she was also making preparations. A person that has a confident, favorable expectation of something that is desirable based on the Word of God should also be a man or woman that's making preparations. How many of you believe in God for increase in your finances? then you ought to go to the bank and open up some savings accounts. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on who doesn't have a saving account, but just opening up a saving account and you being a tither and you believing in increase, even though you may have $1 in there, you prophesied that bank account to be filled and overflowing with finances. Make preparations. Make preparations. Oh, pastor, you know, I've always wanted to go on an Alaskan cruise. How many of you would like to go on an Alaskan cruise? How many of you would like to go on a Caribbean cruise? How many of you just don't want to do anything? I mean, you're believing for that vacation. You're believing for that automobile. You may not have the money yet, but it won't hurt you to get a pamphlet. It won't hurt you to go online and look and see what you desire. Because as you do, God will take that through his word and he will enlarge your vision. Come on, somebody. That's making preparation based on your expectation 
from the revelation that you've got from the word of the Lord. Oh, somebody shout amen. Amen. Somebody said, I have a covenant with a covenant keeping God. My goodness. Y'all listen so good. I could preach till three o'clock, but I won't. Look at Psalm 27 and notice with me in verse 13. So to expect means to look forward to with great excitement and also make the preparations. Now in Psalm 27 verse 13, the King James said this, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The translation that I have here in my notes says, I would have lost heart. Now that's another way of saying, when you lose heart, you lose hope. Anybody ever lost hope before? As quickly as you've lost it, it can be recovered. But here's what hopelessness does. And this is why we need to choose hope every day of our life. Hopelessness causes the heart to stoop. In Proverbs, he said that hope deferred or put off through the time thieves. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick or maketh to stoop. And the psalmist is saying, I would have lost hope, but I didn't because I believe. Come on, somebody. The way that you keep your hopes alive is you keep your faith alive. You keep your believer active. I would have lost hope unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord In the land of the living. How many of you can honestly say. You're believing in turnaround. How many of you can say. You're believing to see. Greater goodness. In the land of your life. Now listen to this very carefully. How many of you got your ears on? Good buddy. You got your ears on over there? Listen to this in the voice translation. This is so awesome. The voice says in Psalm 27, 13, here's what I'm going to do. Because I have hope, I'm going to move past my enemies. He said, I will move past my enemies with this one sure hope. Oh, my goodness. This hope we have is not an unsure hope. This hope we have is a sure hope based on our covenant with God. And it enables us to move past our enemies. Because the enemy will tell you it'll never happen. It'll never be. Blah, blah, blah. He'll spit out his lies. He'll spit out his unbelief. But here's a sure way. To move past your enemies with this one sure hope that with my own eyes, put your hand over your eyes and say it with me, that with my own eyes, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I declare by the word of the Lord today, it's time for many of you in this auditorium to move past the hopeless pictures of despondency that the enemy has brought and hook up 
with your sure hope. Hallelujah. What is this speaking of? Well, this is speaking of expectation. Expectation to see God's goodness. And not just when we get to heaven. But in the land of the living. Say this with me with one hand toward heaven and say, I expect to see good things in my life. I am expecting, based on the word, to see good things in my family. And I am expecting to see good things in my future. Good things in my body. Good things in my nation. Great and glorious things in my state, in my county, and on my streets. Woo! I'm telling you, this is strong. This hope, this expectation is alive. It's a living thing. Bob Schuler said this. He said, let your hopes and not your hurts shape your future. Desmond Tutu said this. Hope is being able to see, see that there is light despite all the darkness. Another person said this, if the pain of your past seems greater than the promise of your future, you need to spend time with the God of hope. Does that resonate with your spirit? And in closing, turn with I, to me with Isaiah chapter 40. We've got about 20% of this message out. We're going to preach tonight on I Choose to Pray. And brothers and sisters, we are going to pray. Now notice in Isaiah 40 and verse 31. Again, this statement is this. If the pain of your past seems greater than the promise of your future, we need to spend time with the God of hope. In Isaiah 40 and verse 31, notice what it says. But those who wait for the Lord who expect, who look for, and hope in Him will get tired. They'll get irritated. They'll get frustrated. How come it ain't happened yet? It happened for Raul yesterday. And I've been standing 20 years. You need to rejoice with Raul so you can get your breakthrough too. No, when we expect for and look for and hope in Him, we don't get irritated. We don't get discouraged. No. What happens is this. We shall change and renew our strength and power. Everyone say strength Strength. and power and and renewal renewal. are connected together. Waiting on Him brings strength and power and causes the joy of the Lord to kick in. 
One definition of expectation is a joyous, confident expectation. Oh, hallelujah. You see, what happens, and I know PT and, and, and Brenda and Ingrid and many of you, all of you, because life sometimes can be difficult, sometimes it's easy to leak. That's why we need to come to the filling station. And make sure we get filled with all the fullness of God in a good, strong local church like you have in Hayward. But then take what you've heard and take what you've learned and bring it to your home. And apply the principles. Because the devil is a dummy. And he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the ones that he likes to devour the most are those that are fatigued. And that is why we need to be doggedly determined that we're not going to let that happen. We're going to choose hope over hopelessness. And our strength is going to be renewed. And it says, as a result, here's what we're going to do. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles. As just like an eagle mounts up to the sun, we mount up to the sun of righteousness. And here's what happens, dear brothers and sisters. When we run, we'll no longer be weary. And when we walk, we'll no longer become faint or tired. I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, that renewal takes the place of weariness and despondency. So instead of burning out, you start picking up steam. So the question is this. Are you getting more weary every day? Or are you being renewed every day? You know what the answer to that question is? I'm being renewed. Day by day. Day by day. I confidently expect him to renew my strength just like the eagles. Well, I hope you got something out of today's message. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand and we'll pray and we'll be dismissed here in a moment.